Hello, fellow gamers. You know, I, I think a lot about what Rolling for Change means to me. I, I, every episode as I edit it, I think about what it is that Rolling for Change really is. And what I come across is that, you know, we're, we're telling stories. We're giving anecdotal evidence to potentially scientific explorations, which we are not exploring in a scientific matter whatsoever. You know, I, I left academia a long time ago, that doesn't mean that I gave up on on clear material studies, you know, data-driven information, nothing like that. It just means that, you know, we're not really trying to offer you as many answers as we are trying to offer questions. And if that's what Rolling for Change does for you, if it makes you contact your gaming experience in a different way, than you would have otherwise, then I think Rolling for Change has done its job because we are pointing to the idea that games have impact. It doesn't matter how we measure that because maybe the measure is individually. Like each person is going to measure and identify what's happening to them in a game. And so if we talk about a phenomenology of, of gaming, it's going to take a lot of data in order to kind of create a pantheon of understanding that matches with the the hobbyists, hobbyist gamers world of information that matches with your personal experience. Our hope is that through the three of us talking about our experiences that somehow, somewhere, we'll contact your experience and then we'll have a shared sort of understanding of what's going on in games. It just became clear to me that as I, as in the past few episodes as we were moving more towards a storytelling anecdotal style of, of exploring Rolling for Change that I don't want anybody to think we're giving hard and fast answers because for me as a contributor to Rolling for Change, I come up with more questions than I come up with answers as we move along. And I think the beauty of it is the three of us talking opens windows or vistas of understanding that I didn't previously have. And maybe that's all education is supposed to be in the first place is point you to a spot that looks a little bit unclear and make you get more engaged into the investigation into that spot. So, if that's what we're doing for you, I'm really happy. If we're making you, if you're, if you're enjoying this as an entertainment podcast, I'm really happy about that as well. Um, but you know, no matter what, I just want to appreciate you listeners who who have kept coming back to listen to us gab, and sometimes, you know, uh, story our way through an episode where we might be lacking the data that we need to form clear scientific explanations. You, I mean, you're not going to hear. This is an episode about cheating and about gamesmanship and about game ethics. You're not going to hear any clear truths in this episode. As I said, hopefully you're going to see some questions that maybe you haven't thought about asking yourself before and make changes on the basis of that. So that's how we roll for change. <laughs> okay. Enjoy the episode. Hey folks, welcome to Rolling for Change. My name is Woody Harris. I am your host and I am joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Brian Peace. Hello. And Josue Cardona. Hi everybody. Hey guys, today we are going to talk about uh, I, I, we're going to talk about cheating and fair play and gamesmanship and um, this topic has really got me excited because 
in the last week, I, I've looked over articles and I've been thinking about it very, very kind of uh, technically, you know, not from a moral perspective, although morals and ethics get in, in play, but from a perspective of why we do this in the first place, what causes cheating, what causes failure of fair play and gamesmanship, and how do we, how do we react to that kind of thing? So it even came so far as to, I was putting on deodorant this morning and I thought, this is deception. <laughs> I am purposely deceiving the world about my personal smell. <laughs> it, it depends. If you have a personal smell and you're trying to cover it over, that's one thing. But if you're trying to deter the smell, it's a preventative measure. Oh, I see. So it's just how you frame a set of information as to whether or not it is true or false. Right. <laughs> But some of those smells are just unnatural, so I think that's that's cheating. Yeah. I, I think we cheat. I think we deceive. I think we lie every day of our lives. And I'm going to go on to prove that in this show because sometimes I'm going to be bullshitting and sometimes I'm going to be telling the truth and know I'm telling the truth and sometimes I'm going to be telling the truth and not knowing I'm telling the truth and, and all the vice versas that can go with that particular statement. I don't know about y'all, but my armpits just naturally smell like baby powder. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, no lies here. Just 100% truth on Rolling for Change. <laughs> we hope to get to the truth. Yeah. So, guys, uh, you know, I, I threw out this topic and I threw it out because I had read something that, and I wish I had, I wish I had taken the quote down, but it stuck with me even though the person didn't stick with me. So, if you are the qu- person who made this initial quote, my apologies for not referencing you pro- pro- properly, but. The quote was basically that once someone cheats in a game, they are no longer in the same social contract that I am in, and we are now playing two completely different games. Hmm. That hit me. Hmm. Uh, It depends on how you frame the concept of cheating. Some games, cheating is part of the rules, and in some cases, it's not part of the rules. And when it's not part of the rules, at that point you're you're subverting the game the rule you're subverting the game experience. Yeah, you are. There's definitely both sides of that where there's, and there's even a third side which is a, a, where you're you're subverting the rules and don't even know that you're subverting the rules. You are in ignorance as opposed to consciously deceiving the players in the game. Right. Especially whenever someone gets a rule wrong and realizes it halfway through the game, and then we have put an asterisk on it. See, see, that's where my mind went. It because the the quote basically says, like, now you're cheating, but I'm not cheating. So now we're playing two different games. And I, like, my first instinct is to completely disagree with that. It's like if you're cheating, oh, then then now now we're both cheating. Now the rules are kind of out the window, and and like for example the. You know, there's a rule that changes midway. It's like, well, we're not going to both play with different rules once we're both aware of it. That's how I feel. I mean, it reminds yeah. me of a time I played checkers with a friend of mine from Belgium, and we're playing normal checkers, blah, 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 blah. and then he he reaches the end and he kings one of his pieces. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. When you get the when you get yeah. the checker to the end of the, the other side of the board. Yeah, and then instead of simply moving backwards, he was moving uh, backwards. And diagonally without restriction, so yeah. he could he could jump 
across like you know if he had you know four squares that he could go he would he would jump four squares and i was like whoa 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 (laughs) what are you doing what are you doing (laughs) this is not how he's like yes it is like this is how i've always played and then we took a pause a lot of uh, googling went on (laughs) and then (laughs) and sure enough in the wikipedia article for checkers it says um, european variations and that was one of them. That seems to be like the norm in in Europe style play of checkers. And at that moment, then the the rules changed because I had kinged a few of mine before. So I was and playing. Hadn't done anything like that. I had not done anything like that. So then he did this, and I was like, "Whoa, okay." So then I didn't I didn't say, "Okay, well, you know, you play by European rules, and I'll play by American rules." <laughs> that w- that wouldn't make any sense at that point. Yeah, well, yeah. At, at the point where you realize it's a variant and you didn't agree on the variant beforehand, then it's cheating. Yeah. So, so then, so like, again, that quote, like how, what does it mean exactly to, if you're cheating and I'm not cheating, that we're playing two different games. I don't know. That doesn't sit well with me. Well, I I think cheating is your, so if we're cheating, we are consciously going against the rules that we understand in the game in order to gain for ourselves. Most likely. It doesn't have to be gained for ourselves, but we are consciously changing the rules to benefit some other uh, some other directive besides the rules of the gameplay. And then there are games where we have what we call cheaty powers. They're not cheating, cheaty. It's very right. similar. To, <laughs> it's similar to cheating because you're subverting the rules of the game, but you're subverting the rules of the game because the card or the role that you have specifically subvert the rules of the game for for a variety of reasons. Which ultimately makes it the rules of the game. Exactly. Right. Which is yeah. why it's cheaty and not cheating. It's similar to cheating. It's in the same vein, but it's game-sponsored cheating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's like a different category, right? Where, where right. the game itself is changing the rules or... I don't know. Like, I, I hate it when there's like, oh, everybody like swap hands. I'm like, ah, oh, no, I'm building up something. Like, oh, that's, yeah. Like, you know, like like that type of thing where it's like, oh, suddenly, you know, a rule changes or even, even I don't know, like even in Uno when like, okay, we're changing directions, right? <laughs> we're going the other direction. Yeah. I don't know, anything like that, but it still feels like it's, it's definitely part of the game. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, that's just cheaty i guess <laughs> yeah but it's still it's still i don't consider it cheating cheating is outright when uh, i don't i don't know give me give me an example of of really bad cheating that you've you've seen um a, a horrible version of this i've seen is whenever someone's playing bonanza hmm. where you have to keep your cards in a certain order and someone oh, just kind yeah. of someone kind of just quote unquote forgets not to move their cards around and you know they played the game a dozen times <laughs> so they they're consciously better. doing it yeah but they try to say oh i forgot if they get caught if they don't get caught they totally didn't forget they've been playing the playing the game right hmm. is that true is that a rule that if they don't get caught they're playing the game right no it is not okay <laughs> however, <laughs> however but i have to make the distinction well, there are a lot of people who believe that it's not cheating if you don't get caught. And that falls out of the spirit of the rules of gameplay, I believe. You know, the moment... So you mentioned earlier there's a moment that, that you realize that you've been playing the game incorrectly and you're halfway through the game and you take an asterisk. Well, what if I am in that game and I realize that taking an asterisk is going to 
reduce the enjoyment of the game for everyone else in play? Is it still on me to call attention to myself and say, hey, I've messed up over here? Or is it more on me to take that moment to change my tactics but not make it obvious to everybody else at this time? It depends, in my opinion. If you are going to win the game, you damn well better call attention to it. I'm sorry, I'm going to win the game, but there's an asterisk on it because I did this wrong. Okay. That's that's just fair play. That's now an ethical you, consideration, basically. Right. Now, if you're not going to win the game and you're nowhere near, just, you know, you might mention at the end of the game, say, it didn't really help me at all, but I screwed up one of the rules. Yeah. But you don't have sense. to. If you're not going to win the game, it's it's up to your judgment whether you're going to say anything or not. But if you're going to win the game, you better just take the asterisk. This is so infuriating for me. Like, this is what <laughs> you're already I'm, there, Hostway. Yeah, listen. When the asterisk—that's the moment where I'm going to flip the table, burn the game, set it on fire, and uh, play a new game <laughs> because it is. So you don't play a lot of board games, Hostway. <sighs> I know. I know. Well, this is this is actually so. The one reason of the that I brought that up is because <laughs> video games—they uh, kind of monitor themselves. Anything. It's, it's kind of my understanding. Anything within the video game world that is available to you is available to you. In the board game world, the ambiguity of the rules and the the interpretation of each individual at the table of those rules can differ so much sometimes. Or it's a game that you haven't played enough. Do not bring up one particular game. But it's a game you haven't played enough and you don't always know exactly how to explain the rules the right way. So you're always playing under the kind of position of, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to act like I do. And then those situations where you say, I've been playing this game wrong for three years. Oh my God. Guys, <laughs> did you know that this rule is in here? And they're like, I always wondered why the game was so easy. It just seemed kind of bleh because it was so easy. Now it's more strategic. I get it. So you've got an entire like three years worth of games that have gigantic numbers of asterisks on them. <laughs> Most people have never played Monopoly correctly. That's true. And Monopoly, yeah. <laughs> at least at house rules, I'm not sure if this is in the rules because it's been so long since I've read the rules of Monopoly. By the way, everyone drink. Uh, <laughs> this, There is this house rule that I've seen that is if I land on your property and you're so busy caught up in the chaos of the game and you don't see that I'm on your property... I don't have to pay you because, oops, I rolled, I'm gone. That's was, encouraged rules either by house rules or within the game. I don't know which. I was just squatting and you didn't catch me. Exactly. <laughs> I said for most of my life, I played Monopoly in a way that you didn't have to like, pay rent, I think. You know, it was one of those things when like I, I discovered that. I was like, what? <laughs> this is not the same game. How do you play... I feel like this is a whole nother question, but how do you play Monopoly without paying rent? I know. It's like you fall in the place and then, I don't know. I don't know. I was a Nobody kid. Nobody asks you for money and you don't give money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was It was like, it was more about buying out properties than, than rent. That's why, that's why when some people say like, oh, Monopoly takes eight hours, it's because they're doing stuff like that. Yeah. How do you even win at that game? That's, a, that's why it takes forever. <laughs> you have to collect the most property in that case. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. He dies with the most toys wins. Yeah, basically, basically. It's like, oh, yeah, look, so at the end, like, we've got, or you run out of money in the bank, like, things like that. I, like, I've played so many different weird versions, and I never looked at the instructions until, until I was an adult. <laughs> but, well, but you just yeah, assume the rules you've been playing by are the right rules. 
but it's not just Monopoly. There are a lot of games where if something happens, you owe someone points or money or goods. And if you, if the next player starts their turn and you didn't catch it, I mean, I've had people say, well, if you don't say anything on your turn, if you're not paying any attention to the game, you just don't get it. And that, that's kind of annoying because I'm easily distracted. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, the- and I am too, especially in a game with a lot of downtime between turns. Yeah. So it, it's a little bit of a challenge, you know, and then there's, there's a spectrum that I've experienced. And this is also part of how this topic came up in my, in my ideas for discussion is that I have caught myself playing by a rule. Like there's an edge and I, I don't know how to explain it. There's an edge between knowing the rules not knowing the rules and knowing the rules again. And in that not knowing the rules moment, we're all cheating because now we're in this kind of like there's, I don't know how to explain this gray space that I get to, but within the game, I've I've worked up to a certain point, playing in a certain way. Then I discover that the rules that I've been playing by are not correct. And then I discover that they were correct. And so somewhere in there, I've lied. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I think we should change the name of the show to Rolling for Semantics at this point because <laughs> All like, right. ca- calling that cheating, like calling like not knowing the rules, I don't think is cheating. I think knowing the rules and purposefully bypassing them or taking advantage of, of a situation is, is cheating. I don't think that not knowing, I don't think I was cheating at Monopoly. I think that I was just you playing it wrong. So was everybody now, else. Now, if you want to see an example, a couple of examples of actual honest-to-God cheating, one of them that is actually supported within the game, this is why I don't play it anymore, Illuminati. I, I don't know that game. I mean, okay. I've heard of it, but I don't know what the deal is. It's a Steve Jackson game where you are playing members of the Illuminati. You're trying to increase the power of your faction um, by basically subverting the, the, the world powers. And one of the rules, it's a variant rule, but I've known most people play it, is that if you don't get caught cheating, you can get a, you can just cheat, no problem. One poor sap gets it's a rule within the game. It's a variant rule that's actually in the official rule book, and a lot of people use it. If you if you're the poor sap who has to get up and go use the restroom, people can look at your cards, which is why most people take their hand with them to the restroom. But the tableau in front of you, they can swap cards around, they can steal cards out of it, they can do anything they want to, so long as whenever they get back, they can't tell who did it. Now, later on, if you play one of their cards, and they're like, oh, you are the one who did it, now you're busted, and you've cheated, and you know, you're out of the game. But, but a variant you agree to at the beginning, though. Right. right. It's not true. It's so not it's like... within the rules that anything goes. Yeah, Basically. I mean, my, my grandfather, when we played dominoes when I was a kid, he was very, very strict. It was like before anybody touched their pieces, we were agreeing to which variants were, were allowed or weren't. And he had a default set that was like, this is what I want. And if somebody like didn't want to play a certain way because for time reasons or for the skill level of other players on the table, and then we'd all agree. And then it was written down and it was super strict, right? Like there was no doubt later on down the line. It's like, oh, can I do this? I was like, no, we agreed at the beginning. And... So again, like bringing up a variant rule in the middle of a game, I think can totally be cheating. If you're like, "Oh, I, th- I thought we were playing with variant rules. That's why. That's why I did this. You're not gonna allow it." Bat my eyes. 
But it's only cheating though if you consciously did that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like, yeah. My, my, my tone right now is very, you know, sneaky. <laughs> right? it's, like, it's like I'm not going to use it because it's it's not convenient. But now it is. Yeah. So now I'm going to pull this card. I do still consider that Illuminati variant cheating because in the rule book they explicitly call it the cheating variant. So if they call it cheating, it's still cheating because you are consciously subverting the rules. But it's technically allowed. Yeah, if we all agree, who's being who's being wronged? Right. If the if the rules of the game are to teach you how to cheat better, then are we ever doing anything wrong in those games? Listen, I think I think that the best examples of cheating in games are just play with children. Okay, children. Oh God! They'll just they'll just be like, oh no, I can do this. Like, uh, uh-uh, that's what we did last time. And it's like, oh, what? What? Like, it is so frustrating. The only times when I can uh, keep my composure has been uh, in therapy situations where I'm uh-huh. playing games with kids and I'm able to. I'm like, I'm in therapist mode and I can uh, control the situation. Right? I can, I can, I can reflect on what's happening. I can, I can assess behavior. Like. When I'm in that mode, but when I'm not in that mode, when I'm just playing yeah. with like my niece or nephew or, or you know any kids, and they do that, like I don't, I can't handle it. I mean, it's not like I'm like flipping the table over or anything, but I, at that point, I'm like, listen, these are the rules. If if you want to change the rules up now, at that point, I'm like out of the game. But I, I'll agree sometimes. So like, fine, you want to change the rules midway, that's okay. But sometimes I'm like, listen, I don't want to play anymore. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> now I will say on the flip side of that. As a parent of younger, as a former parent of younger children, my youngest is graduating this year. God help me. Um, I have cheated in games with my children <laughs> to both their benefit and mine. Yeah, yeah. For That's instance, yeah. Ca- Candyland. Candyland, in my opinion, is an excellent game to teach colors. It is a mm-hmm. terrible game. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I will stack the deck in such a way that she can win very, very quickly. I used to, and she was very happy with it. And I was very happy because it didn't last that long. However, mm-hmm. she had to call out each color as it came up and I was teaching her the colors. And that was fine. So long as I didn't have to play for like three hours, which is what she really wanted. I like this, this cheating is outside for good. of the realm of, of cheating, but if you're playing a scripted game, are you still playing a game where it's like every turn is known? If you're playing Candyland, are you still playing a game? <laughs> <laughs> well, like a scripted game, but like like cheating for good, right? Like this yeah. feels. I don't know. I, I I like where this conversation is going. Um, we, we just recorded an episode of GT Radio on accessibility and, and games. There's been a, a big conversation about that. And it's like, yeah, like my if your kids can't grasp the rules or it's too hard for them, then you, you adjust the difficulty by cheating, right? Mm-hmm. And then so that it's more fun for them or so they can be a part of it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like cheating for good. There's there's lots of uh, examples of that, and sometimes again, like you may, I don't know, but I don't know if that's. I I guess it to me it counts as cheating because the kid doesn't know that you're completely manipulating the situation. I think that in in the context that we were talking about it before, like if I'm cheating really well, you would also not know that I was manipulating yeah. the situation. You wouldn't know that I was hiding cards. You wouldn't know I had extra pieces. You wouldn't know that I, you know, moved seven spaces instead of six because you were, you know, looking away. Like there, you know, I think, I think that if, if 
one person, if I'm cheating and the other people don't notice it, then it, it counts as cheating. But to, so cheating for good, <laughs> like to help a kid, I think is absolutely cheating, but good cheating. <laughs> now, now we had a dis- my wife and I had a discussion on the way over here, and she has this feeling that uh, social deduction games or games, especially with a lot of bluffing, she considers mm-hmm. those to be cheating, and she doesn't like it because it just feels like cheating to her. Like a uh, sheriff of Nottingham, where you you have to actively lie about that what's a in game your hands of lying. And yeah. um, in, in the co- spreadsheet, I put yeah. diplomacy in because uh-huh. God diplomacy. Yeah. I can't play that game. I can't do it again. I'll never do no, it again. No, me neither. Me neither. I will <laughs> never ever again. I sold my copy as fast as I got it. <laughs> I think in terms of deceptions in games that Sheriff of Nottingham is probably the lowest common denominator and it's able to boil it down into a fun experience. But when you get up to that diplomacy level, at that point it's no longer it's no longer fun for me because it's it's all about manipulation and I'm I'm you know, I, I've read all the literature. I see that deception is a really important thing for us from, from six months of age all the way up to now. But I still feel uncomfortable when I'm situations where I am purposely trying to manipulate other people for my own ends and not for anything else. And I know there's a drive within me that will do that. I also know that I, as a conscious human being and and possibly an ethical human being, are going to do things to try to limit that, that access to that skill that I have. But we're talking about deception here. This is All of this is about deception. I think so, yeah. And we're talking about how we use that deception. So do we use it for good? Do we use it for bad? And the literature pretty much says white lies, those lies that are meant to make other people feel good in, you know, like, how are you? I'm fine. That kind of thing um, is biologically imperative. Like, it's necessary for it to be there because otherwise, if you try to monitor yourself throughout a day to how many times you were actually accurately telling the truth about a situation, you would be... Maybe surprised, maybe not surprised to come across the idea that you probably maybe 10% of the day lied or fabricated or did not give accurate truth. I read... And so it happens in games. I read an interesting article about this. Um, there was a survey that looked at about 1,200 adult consumers. And okay. they said about 48% of the people who admit to cheating in games admit to cheating in real life as well. Okay. Now, what does um, that mean, cheating in real life? That means like stealing money or... Cheating... Well, th- they give some examples, um, cheating on your taxes, um, cheating on tests in high school or college. Um, uh, about 51% of them admitted that they park in handicapped spaces, steal towels, cups, or other items from hotels. Um, Those are courtesy. <laughs> And just 14%. Not the towels. Not the towels. That's compared. That's like between 40, let's see, between 48 and 58% of people, 14% of those who said they don't cheat didn't said they also didn't do that. Didn't do those things. Okay. About 49% of the cheat, people who cheat in games also admit to cheating in their committed relationships. Interesting. So 1,200 people, and and we've got people who are actually admitting that they cheat in games and they cheat on their wives. Or husbands. Or husbands. Yes. And that's the people who admitted to it. Right. 
Are, and we're suggesting that, of course, you don't get a very clear uh, truth unless you've got um, some visibility on all sides. You right. Know, it's, it's hard to decide what truth is in the first place. So, yeah, this is why that. You, know, you said semantics, Josue. <laughs> it, it it is in some way because we're we're talking about the very definition of things. Because I have a certain understanding of what cheating and deception is, and you do, and so does Brian, and we get all these sort of different points of view, and and sure, the listeners probably have a ton of different reasons or ways of seeing this as well. You know, I I, I looked at a Reddit where somebody asked, how do I deal with a cheating player in my playgroup? And some people were saying, well, that's wrong, you should punish the cheater in some way. And other people were saying, well, that's what I do, I just cheat in games. That's If you can, if you can do it, then it's, it's fair play. And it was just so totally different and foreign to me because I, I work so hard to try to, to live within the rules uh, in a game because what's the point in the game otherwise? It, it starts to come to the question of what is the purpose of all this deception in the first place? Well, uh, I, like the debate that goes on in psychology about like what you do in a simulation, is it reflective of what you would do in another situation, mm-hmm. is is fascinating. And it's like it's it's what that article is talking about. And like what you just said, right? Like, oh, these people in the Reddit, they're talking I'm like, oh yeah, I cheat in the game because if I can get away with it, then it's okay. Like there are people who live their lives that way. There are politicians who live their lives that way. There are real ramifications to living your life that way. Now, if one is reflective of the other, I don't know. I have an opinion. <laughs> sure, sure. Right? I think it depends on the person. Uh, but I, I do think it's like most behaviors, the more you practice it, the more... Uh, the easier it comes, the more you can apply that to to possibly other areas. There's some things that don't. There's some things that you can practice in a simulation that are not uh, that don't really help you in real life. But I think that others absolutely do, and this is one of those really really interesting conversations because someone like. I don't know, right? Like, like in the news, you talk about uh, the 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 president's taxes or or, mm-hmm. um, or or family the way like that New York Times article about the family and how they basically like cheated on their taxes for so many years, right? Well, it's like, well, did they only do that there? Was was that also is that systematic? Is it is it like how would you does is that reflective of how this person would be in another position? It's, well, according to know. that study, it's 48 to 58% likely. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to say that a, a sample of 1,200 does not give me a lot of uh, faith in the accuracy of things. Um, and it also depends on what that sample was and how they did that study. I, I it's Also, most people, uh, like they wouldn't remember when they did or they didn't. Memory is... is uh, unreliable, and people lie. So I think that further study would probably be higher. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I will tell you that there was one particular player that I had in the game who um, we were playing a game called City of Horror where it's a zombie apocalypse and each player has their own set of of, uh, survivors. And unlike most games where it's strictly about survival and everybody has to work together to survive, in this one... You're working together, but kind of not. And if there are a certain number of people in a building and there are too many people in that building based on how many zombies are around the building or whatever, there are certain things in the rules that determine who has someone has to be kicked out of the building. You hold votes and the more people you have in the building, 
and the more influence they have, the more likely you are to be able to win a vote and kick somebody else out. So it gets kind of cutthroat, but one of the other rules is, I think it's someone who sits in um, in, a, in the tower as a guard in a guard tower can take a look at the next zombie card that comes up to see where and how many zombies are about to pop up. I had one player who picked up the card, flipped it over, put it down below the table, and then took a picture of it with his phone. And everybody at the table said, no, you can't do that. The whole point is you look at the card, put it down, and hope to God you remember what was there. He said, but I have a terrible memory. Mm. Okay, um, that's great. But the rules say you look at it and put it back. It does not say you can take a picture of it or write the information down. So you don't get to do that. He said, I don't like that rule. I said, well, we don't care if you don't like that rule. That's the rule. (laughs) So the next time he got to look at the card, he snuck it even further under the table and tried to do it again. We're like, all right, now you're actively cheating because we've all told you that we do not accept that rule. We've clearly said this is not okay. And he got mad. And I, you know, he, he said, well, I'm going to keep it on my phone. I took his phone and deleted the picture. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> and furthermore, if you do it again, you're out of the game. You're out of the game day. You're just going to go home. We don't play with people who do that. If you're going to cheat, just go home. And he stayed mad the rest of the night. And then other people had who had played games with him said, yeah, he hates losing. He gets actively angry with the other players if he loses the game. And so this is where we get to, what is the point in, in cheating? What is the reason that people cheat? Because they like to win. That's one. That's one reason. That's one of the well, main reasons. we can go reasons. deeper than that. Why do they like to win? Because it gives them a sense of personal um, worth, personal value. Or social standing. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there's... There's all these reasons why people, you know, we can almost say that the the motivations behind it, unless the motivations are meant to be hurtful, the motivations behind cheating are actually geared towards social ends or internal ends, you know, like I'm a good person, I'm better at this than, you know, something like that, or that I'm really good at manipulation or something yeah. to that effect. There's There's a positive outcome. And it's the failure of others to see that positive outcome that I don't that kind of gets in the way, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, the reasons why people would do it are, are interesting when, when we frame it as there's one cheater and in the group, but like you, you mentioned this, these people in Reddit who were saying like, Oh yeah, I always cheat in games. I, I'm, I'm tr- having a tough time thinking about, a room full of those people or like the person you were just talking about, Brian, like <laughs> right. what if everybody Every, at, the the table, at the table, yeah. What if everybody at the table was exactly like that guy? Like how would, how would, how does that even work? I don't understand. I will tell you one thing with my experience with cheaters, they get really mad when someone else cheats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because they're, they're, they're ends just, uh, the, their means justify their ends basically for those guys. Well, they want to have an advantage. And if everybody's cheating, they no yeah. longer have that advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, like I said, my wife, she also believes firmly, which is why she doesn't play them, that social deduction games where the point of the game is to lie is cheating in her book. I'm like, well, it's part of the rule. She says, yeah, 
but the rules encourage you to cheat and or to lie or to be dishonest. She said, I don't play those games because not because she doesn't necessarily enjoy them. She really doesn't. But she said because she does not have a poker face. So it doesn't she doesn't she can't play the game, basically, as well as maybe some other people do. So she's at a disadvantage because she's not as good at, at holding back her her lies. Right. Well, in, in a way, this goes back to like this idea of accessibility, right? Like if, if you can't lie, then you can't play a deduction game. right? You can't, you can't <laughs> yeah. play diplomacy. Um, I mean, it's it's not different from like, you know, if, if you're missing, like if you, if you can't grab things with your hands, then it's going to be really hard to play a game where you have to move pieces. You know, or if you or if you're colorblind, right, there are some games that you may not be able to play because you literally can't discern one thing from the other on the board. Yeah, there are a lot of games I cannot play very well because I can't math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> are there are there is is there a good that comes out of a game that is a game about deception? Game about deception. Um where you have to where lying is part of the game. I don't know, like I'm thinking like poker, you know, something like that, like very basic that, that a lot of people can probably understand. That's a big part of the game. Bluffing. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Battlestar Galactica, uh Werewolf. Uh, those are big yeah. ones. I mean that's, yes, whole, they are. that's part of the game. Um Shadows yeah. Over Camelot. Uh-huh. Two Rooms and a Boom. There, there's so many games that do that. But it if we look at it from a, a sort of social constructivist position, are they do they serve a good purpose in the world? Uh, but but like some of those games are really fun because it's like oh who is it who 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 did it and and people are trying to to guess and like it's it's different. It's different when you know that someone is trying to deceive and everybody's trying to figure it out. It feels like a puzzle more than somebody being cheated or wronged. There's no fun in being at a disadvantage. Yeah, it depends on how the game is framed. I like it in Battlestar Galactica because there are ways that you can figure it out other than just blind guessing. But that's a longer game, so you need that kind of advantage. Werewolf, it's a quick game. You can play five or six games of that in an hour. So even if you're thrown out of the game, you're going to get right back in. And then the fun is watching and figuring out who's what role because now you can keep your eyes open the whole time and see what's going on and you can go oh you son of a oh my god i can't believe you got through this <laughs> the yeah. best bluff i've ever seen in werewolf the best one i was so proud of this person he came into the game and this is he he started bluffing before the game even started <laughs> what are they the rules the, i don't know how to play what is this they they got their cards and the first thing he said was okay what do you what what do you do if you're a villager yeah he said, I don't, I said, I've never played this game before. He went through the entire game constantly asking questions and acting completely confused. At the end of the game, he was a werewolf and he had played the game dozens of times. People, people outside the game said, oh yeah, he plays this game all the time. He just snowed you guys from the very beginning. Like, That's his play. That, that was impressive. But then... The social deduction part of it is within the framework of the game. Did he subvert that and cheat by lying about his understanding of the game? Because that's technically not part of the game. Okay. Uh, that's where we get into semantics. Is that cheating yeah. what he did? 
Or is that an extension of the social deduction portion of the game? He did not cheat. He did not bluff within the context of the game. He bluffed before the game even started. So it's a meta game, basically. He's right. outside the game, playing within the rules of the game, outside of the game. So there is a subversion of people's understanding of the truth in that situation. There were a, there were a few people who were kind of upset with him and said it was cheating. And the rest of us said, no, we really appreciate that. That was hilarious. But then yeah. just because people appreciate the skill with which someone cheated, is that a cheat? Or does it make it not cheating because people thought it was amazingly good? Well, well played well, bluff. Uh, well, like you said, it, he's just, he started playing the game a little earlier. That's yeah. like in this game. He started playing the game before the rules started. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in maybe in another game, that would be like stacking the cards in your favor, right? Like, yeah. you know where everybody's going to so. sit. That's true. And you sit people down. And then at, at that point, again, if, but the, if the point of the game is not deception, then you're just cheating hardcore. Like you, you put a lot of thought into this <laughs> preparation <laughs> into this cheating, but I, I, I don't know. And the example that you gave, I think, I think that's genius. I think that was great. Oh that's yeah. A, it was fantastic. I was proud of the guy. I was like, I wish I had thought of something yeah. ingenious like that. I'm jealous. That was, yeah, it, we, we all, most of us applauded and we were like, that was well played. I'm disappointed this is being recorded because now I don't know if I can use that play in the future. <laughs> well, it depends on try. the listenership of Rolling for Change. But So it gets creepier. It gets creepier if he spent five years towards a lie, towards a game. <laughs> he just showed up at a, at a game at Dragon Con where he didn't know anyone in the game. He says, this is my moment. Yeah, I'm going to try this and see if I can pull it five off. Five years of studying yeah. and becoming this person that he would, you know, <laughs> if you knew somebody there, he would have worn a wig and a hat and some glasses and changed his the name. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's how verbal Kent went away. So there are people who cheat that are cheating in a way that is purposely to help others. And you kind of talked about it, Brian, with your kids where you're stacking the deck in terms of a particular goal. Right. Um, and I think we talked about this before. And again, I've lost the person who I need to give credit to for this. But I was listening to a podcast where one individual said that his wife plays the game and cheats in order to create epic scenarios for other people. Huh. She's purposely subverting the rules to a different goal than the game, but still giving the other people an experience that is... Now, the trick is she can't get caught, because if she gets caught, then it's no longer meaningful. But if she doesn't get caught, then she's able to provide an experience for someone else that is completely amazing. So the question is, in what framework is this? Is this in general play, or just in some kind of professional setting? In general play. In general play? Uh, yeah. She's doing this for her friends and the people she cares about. But is, is so she cheating, cheating for others? Is she cheating or is she like there are moments when you're at a crossroads and you think I could do this and maybe win. But if I do this other thing, it's going to create some chaos and it will be way more fun. I don't yeah. think that that's cheating. I, I mean, th those are moments that I think we, we grapple all the time it, in games. But again, it determines on whether you're subverting the rules or not playing to the best of your ability. 
exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, is she is she outright cheating? Is she like just saying that she doesn't have? Maybe throwing the game in favor of someone else in order yeah. to create yeah, like if she's still a, a situation the rules, where someone else does better. She's yeah. following the rules, but she's purposely taking a back step in order to create an experience for someone else. I mean, if that's the case, it's different than if she's actually just ignoring the rules to create drama for the story. You know, <laughs> I think that's yeah, different. It, yeah, in that case, it's not subverting the rules. It's just not playing to the best of your ability. I do that all the time with people who are brand new to gaming, who I know that if I were to play to the best of my ability, I would stomp them into the dirt and then they would hate gaming from that point on. If I'm trying to introduce someone to gaming, I might not play to the best of my ability. And I might give them some pointers on, if you do this, I'm going to do that. Just keep that in mind. Purposeful I've done that with handicapping. Right. Yeah. That's handi Handicapping is not necessarily cheating. It's, it's, Breaking your, it's giving yourself a handicap to make things more palatable to other people. And I tell them, once you play the game a couple times, you are on your own and I will try to stomp you. <laughs> I think that's fair play if you are telling them that you're handicapping yourself. If you're faking it and acting like you're not handicapping yourself, then you're not really giving them an understanding of why and what you're doing. I, it, it depends. If during the game, I say, I'm, I'm set up to do this. If you do that, it's going to end poorly for you. And then I let them try to make a better strategic move based on the information I've just given them. Because if they're ignorant of the rules or ignorant of the, the strategy of play, I feel like that's taking unfair advantage of their situation. If they're new to gaming in general. Like what you described doesn't seem like cheating. It would be cheating if you told them, right? If you lied about the rule, you're like, actually, you should do this because rule 37 says this, this, this. But then, like, you just made that up so you could win. That would be cheating. But like, otherwise, it just sounds like you're helping. Like playing the first, like the first time you play with someone new, you you know, everybody shows all their cards so you can explain what's happening so that people can learn. Right. Yeah. I just had this realization that the rules of acquisition from the Ferengis. Uh, have tons of cheating elements in them. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> it's it's all it, it's about having an ethical code for cheating others. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, that's that's one of those situations. Um, I'm going back to someone said diplomacy. That's where I feel like it almost crosses a line. Where you, <laughs> Which where line? you where you make a deal with someone. You shake hands on it and then proceed to break that deal. Stab them in the back. It's part of the game, technically, but it still feels wrong to me. Twilight Imperium. <laughs> what, was um, what was that? There, there, is, there is honestly less of that in Twilight Imperium. People There's a lot are of backstabbing in Twilight Imperium. But people are more, tend to be more honest in Twilight Imperium than they do in Diplomacy. I've noticed this. People tend to be fairer dealers. Now, they will backstab for their own benefit, but it's not as pervasive as it is in diplomacy. I've seen a situation where every single person at the table made a deal. They, every single one of them broke that deal and ended up ruining the game for at least one person, <laughs> namely <Yeah>. me. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like fun at all. I like, I, I've yeah. said this before on the show. I, the longest I've ever played a game of diplomacy is 30 minutes. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Both times I played Germany 
everyone made a deal with me and they all broke it and took everything I owned in two, <laughs> in two turns. I'm like, okay, I'm out of the game. I'm done. In mm. one case, it, it, the first time, it was 30 minutes because I kept trying and they backstabbed me a second time and wiped me out of the game. The second time, they backst- every single one of them backstabbed me and I had one region left. I was like, I'm out of the game. They're like, no, you still have a region left. I said, you're going to take it next turn. Just do it. <laughs> I'm done with this stupid game. I'm never playing again. If if you set up one player so it, it, within the game so that they have no chance of winning unless someone sides with them, then, you know, France in that game has a chance of sur- surviving because there are only people on a couple of um, borders with them but almost every single person is on the border of Germany. If they all backstab you, you're done. And it's a, it's a kind of lying and backstabbing where it really does feel like cheating to me because it makes me so angry. And I don't, I typically don't even get that angry when someone actually cheats. <laughs> so, so when we were talking earlier about people's motivations, right? Like mm-hmm. I have a friend who really loves diplomacy I don't know how I feel about that friend right now. Like what, 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 what exactly? <laughs> like I, I, I'm completely with you, Brian. Like that game makes me feel uncomfortable. I do not enjoy it at all. There's just like the idea of backstabbing my friends and family is not cool. But then if you play with strangers, then it's harder to backstab. Like there's no, like you need that personal connection to like really make it, good stab in the back <laughs> and there's oh like all of that just makes me feel uncomfortable i don't even like talking about diplomacy i hate that game <laughs> but i know people I'm, who love it and and i don't know that kind of scares me <laughs> i'm curious how our history of, of understanding morality our ethics our our kohlberg uh sort of level is is playing into our because the three of us i think have a judeo-christian background we've probably all been taught very clearly that there's right and there's wrong and and there's things that we shouldn't do and things that we should do um i'm wondering how much that plays into like if you can this be seen as something that is completely like well that's just another way of of living your life that's just another way of doing things that anything that doesn't get caught is fair game because there's no actual overarching ethical considerations except i get mine and the people i care about get theirs I just read a fantastic quote. Don't don't judge me on this. I just think it's funny. Um, but <laughs> I'm already judging you. Th- there's I, I know um, on Board Game Geek there is a thread about cheating, and this uh-huh. is, this may be the same one that somebody else read. Where there are some people who are defending cheating and yeah. saying that it's right so long as you don't get caught. And one person commented this thread has led me to start to better understand those who murder the willfully stupid. I don't condone the murder, but I can understand the motivation that led to it. It's like, wow, that's... That's, that's um, like a mic dropper. Did anybody continue yeah. to talk after that? <laughs> um, let's see if anyone... I, I'll let you know if someone actually responded. <laughs> nope. I would just think, after that, you just can't respond. It's like, okay. Oh, Okay, I need to go change my life right now. Yeah, three people <laughs> responded after that. No one touched on that comment. Three more people responded, and the thread, well, the thread died. But um, wow. 
All right. One thing that this brings to mind is cheating really bothers me, but it bothers me more when I see other people get wronged in a game than when I do. And hmm. I don't I don't know what that means or what that what that says exactly. We can explore that further <laughs> at a future date. But that is something that that comment infuriates me because I don't know, like my, my first instinct in sticking to games is like is to to try to help the people who I feel are being wrong the most in, in the cheating situation. Uh like a one-on-one cheating probably wouldn't bother me as much as as like a full table of people being taken advantage of, and and that attitude of like, well, they deserved it, you know. It's like, oh man, it's just because like I I can't just keep it two games, right? That is something that is applied to so many other areas in life, and it's just it just bothers me. And it, maybe maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's that because it bothers me so much in life, it. it I'm projecting that to game situations and I, I don't handle it well. It just really, really, really bothers me. And I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. That's just, that's just for what came to mind. I don't like Does it bother you because you feel a sense of guilt when you do it? No, I don't mean, hmm. Hmm. Because I, I think guilt think plays so a role here in our in our understanding of it. It's those people who, who don't feel guilt that we tend to be like, okay, I'm gonna stay away from you. Yeah, no, I don't think so at all. I don't I'm trying to even think of situations where I've cheated or done something wrong and felt that sort of guilt. No, I don't think I don't think that applies to to how I'm feeling. Okay. Because I've gotten in trouble a lot throughout my life for uh defending that stupid person. And okay. it is I've lost jobs over it. It has been uh it's just something I can't help myself. It is something that is just very very just infuriating to me. So I don't know that quote. Even in something like a game, it just it just bothers me so much. Again, that idea of like, well, they weren't looking. You know, it's like, oh man, mm-hmm. <laughs> just just like, uh, and and I don't know. I think yeah, we could go deeper into like you know like social norms and the social pact and, and like these contracts that we supposedly have, and then to think that you know like who who can you trust and who can you not trust and and who is actually more vulnerable and who is more. Uh, capable and and does that give you a right to do one thing or another i don't know i I totally project all those feelings into a game that's why when things like that happen again i like i want to flip the table set the game on fire (laughs) do something else (laughs) i will tell you what uh one time this is the most infuriating form of cheater i've ever experienced the ones who try to sneak by with it are really annoying and i'll just never play games with them but the ones who actively try to convince you that they should be allowed to cheat i had um i was playing a game i can't remember if i think woody you may have been in this one i can't remember okay it was yeah i think you were because the guy was trying to cheat against you if i'm not mistaken we were playing um you'll have to remind me oh god what was what's the one that's a, i'm afraid you're gonna say las vegas no it's a viking god game i can't remember it's one by cool mini or not 
um, hmm. Blood Rage. Blood Rage, okay. Yeah, we were playing Blood Rage, and this one got we we had shuffled up all the cards and we dealt them out, and then there was a battle, and I think I'm almost positive it was you and the other guy flipped the cards over, and he said, "I didn't know the cards went that high." I I don't I don't like that the card I didn't know the cards went that high I thought I had the highest card possible in the game, and you know they all had certain powers it was a gigantic deck of cards I was in this game, and I said, uh, "We've just opened this game we don't know what's in the cards either it's a surprise to everyone," so I I just don't like well there was a teacher, right? But even he said he didn't know all the cards in the game he didn't know how how high they went because he'd never really paid attention he just played the game. And then the next time, the, I th- I'm almost positive. Yeah, it was you and he again. You and him again. Um, you guys had Different to game? Ba- you, no, you guys had to battle again in that same game. Oh, okay. And, and he said, um, okay, I want you to flip your card over first so I can know what values there are in the, in the, in the thing. And then I'll pick my card based on that. And we all looked I, at I each other like... I remember this. And we all looked at each other like, is this guy serious? And we said, no, the, the, the rules of the game are that every both people flip the cards over at once. You're not supposed to know what his are. I mean, it's not fair to him if you know what he's going to do and he doesn't know what you're going to do. And he said, well, I, I just can't play this game. I, I just don't like that rule. And he said, I'm going to go ahead and you know, just quit the game. And we were all so infuriated with him by that point. We all just said, yeah, go ahead. Just quit. No problem. And I have, to this day unless I've been tricked into it, never played a game consciously with him again. I have been tricked into it before because I promised to be in a game and then yeah. someone else invited him to it. And I'm like, I hate you so much right now. I hate playing with this guy because he's he whines so bad when things aren't going his way. I feel like I, I haven't played Blood Rage since that game, although I didn't completely remember all the details of the game. So... The, the lasting impression was on Blood Rage instead of the person to me, which right. is maybe not the best thing. But we like to believe that people are good people. And that's one of the reasons that we get uh, tricked in the first place or get cheated in the first place. is because we, we have this belief that people are just naturally honest. And yet none of us are. You know, that we all follow a similar code of or, or idea of justice or a code of ethics. Yeah. And that is not true at all. No, it's not. Yeah, I, I was watching a, a, some videos on deception before uh, for the show here, and uh, one of them was uh, they took children and they would they just had to guess what was behind a screen, and oh, I've got to go get my phone real quick. Please don't look at the card while I'm gone, and I'll come back and play in just a minute. Please don't look. And of course, as soon as the person's out of the room, the kid looks over the top and sees it. And so I, I don't know the percentage, but I think most of the kids looked at the card just because they could. They had the ability. They didn't know there was a camera to be seen by. Some of them were honest afterwards and some of them weren't honest afterwards. But um, it just there's there's a sense that we I need to find that quote because there was a, a statement. People lie and tell the truth to achieve a goal. We lie if honesty won't work. That's uh, researcher Tim Levine uh, talking about lying. We lie if honesty won't work. Yeah. And I think the three of us have probably just had a lot of experiences where honesty did work. And so it's a, if we look at it from a kind of a 
socially structured kind of way. The reason we are honest people is because we have been rewarded for being honest people. Not always. <laughs> I I will admit right now on this podcast, I have cheated on a test once. And it was, I got I got to give myself props. It was really ingenious. <laughs> you are, you are publicly <laughs> stating I cheated and I'm proud of myself. I'm, I'm proud of the method that I chose. Not okay. proud that I cheated. Although it, you know, I tend to doodle sometimes when I'm taking notes. Um, if, if there's something I don't need to write down and like, it's, it was a history class. So I wrote down the pertinent information and then he proceeded to tell the story of what happened in that situation. Once I remember the pertinent details, the story itself is easy for me to remember because I'm a storyteller by nature. So I started just doodling and I started doodling things that helped me remember what he was talking about. I would doodle um, a picture that directly related to it. I would doodle pictures that sounded like another thing and put them next to each other so that I would have the actual words or something that sounded similar to the words mm-hmm. right there on the paper. And I just sat there and doodled. I figured that would be fun. Help take my, try to take my notes with pictograms, with pictures, just as an experiment. Well, the day for the test came and I thought, I wonder if I leave this doodle out, if he'll make me put it away. It's just a bunch of pictures. And as an experiment, I left it out. Now, I was pretty sure I'd pass the test no matter what. But I put the, I put the thing out, and sure enough, there were a couple questions. I was like, uh, I don't remember this. Glanced over at my doodle. Oh, right. And I answered the question. So I passed the test a little better than I would have hmm. without the doodles. But I technically had my notes out. But nobody is, noticed because they were just pictures. Man, this is an excellent. Interesting. excellent I felt point. kind of bad after. I had mixed feelings afterward. First off, I felt bad that I cheated. But second, that was I was like that was actually a really ingenious way of te- of of cheating. So now, whenever I have my students in my class, I say put away everything. All you can have out is a bottle of water, and that's it. <laughs> they look at me like a, they look at me like oh. I can't keep my phones out. No, no Google. Put the freaking phone away. No. <laughs> this is this is fascinating because I, I don't think I've ever not cheated on a test in my life. And it has more to do with my thoughts of like the the test doesn't really affect the learning, right? It's like it's it's almost irrelevant. But anything that I say about tests and my cheating on them is like now I can relate to the person who who said the quote. It's like, well, you know, if I could get away with it, why not do it? I don't know why I can't do it in games or in other parts of my life, but in most tests, I would, I would absolutely cheat. Damn, you give me a lot to think about now, Brian. <laughs> There's only one type of chest test that I was really ever tempted to cheat on. I felt no guilt about it. That one history class, the professor was fantastic, and. He didn't test on dates, which is one of my big pet peeves about history teachers is they, they get lazy and just say, what year did this happen? And they put a series of dates that are so close together. You're like, really, really? You expect me to remember within one day, one year when it happened? That's, that's, that's kind of cheap. Um, as, but- as a teacher, I give tests with um, unlimited do-overs because I don't think that it's fair to give a test one time. 
but it's just mm-hmm. that comes from like how my view on education and, and all this stuff and lifelong cheater on test, I guess too. <laughs> uh, and so, so I don't see tests the same way as other people do. Like everything we talked about that moral compass and justice and inequality and all these different things, someone could apply to their vision of tests. And I don't, I don't see it that way at all. So I can, I can understand why some people would not project all that real world stuff that I project onto games. They, I, I know they don't because I've had this conversation with people where they're like, well, it's just a game. And to me, it's not just a game. That's why we do this podcast because to me, games aren't just games. <laughs> but I think right. every every person is different and every situation is different. And there are a lot of things where you don't apply the same things. Like a lot of people run a red light and they don't think that they're breaking a law, you know? But in, in other contexts, they're like, oh yeah, well, I'm not, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that because I don't want to break a law. It's like, but there, but there's still laws, <laughs> you know? And, and we, we like to pick and choose that's ooh, man yeah it really depends on where you view the social contract the line of the social contract yeah if yeah. you you do not see testing the way that people tend to do it as being a legitimate a legitimate source of achievement yeah and so that social contract doesn't exist for you however a board game there's a very explicit social contract that you respect Exactly. I do. Yeah. You might yeah. you might play a game though with an idea that uh, some people don't understand the rules of this game and I understand the rules of this game better than anybody else and therefore I'm going to exploit those rules in the best way possible so that I can win. But, but that's that's not cheating. That's just like oh like yeah, we're playing a game that I've played 50 times and I I I know how to play. I played a game of, this is why I don't like terraforming Mars. (laughs) I played a game with two guys who played it over and over and over again. It was one of their favorite games to repeat play back to back. They didn't tell us that at the beginning. And there were two of us playing who had never played it before. And they taught us how to play the game. However, they taught us zero strategy and let us just sink or swim on our own. They absolutely lapped both of us in the game. And then, proceeded to consistently say that we made boneheaded moves, exact quote, constantly showing us every boneheaded move we made in the game that allowed them to win. I was like, well, you could have clued us in. We've never played the game before. And they didn't see a problem with it. And I was like, see, but that's the social contract that I have with other people. That if I see that I have an absolute distinct, clear advantage over them because they've never played the game before and I've played it a lot, I'm going to give them some pointers, some strategic pointers as we go, so they can learn the game. Learning the game by making you lose as hard as possible and saying, next time you play the game, you'll play better, won't you? I say, well, first off, I'm never going to play the game again. Screw you. And second off, I'm never going to play any game I have to learn the first time with you. So the message would seem to be that the more pain I can create for you, the more likely you are to jump past the pain. But that doesn't always work in any particular situation. Right. That's 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 how that's how coaches function. <laughs> that is how coaches function. I mean, it yeah, really we're we're going to we're going to humiliate you until you get past the humiliation, and then you're going to be a a, a stellar example of an athlete. Some coaches, but until that time, I'm some going coaches. to just some coaches, beat you some down. coaches, some coaches. Yeah. yeah, okay, it's fair. I don't want to. I don't want to put a large a high uh, per- umbrella a, on this. A high percentage of coaches. 
the, the coaches I've experienced. Exactly. Yeah. I, I can break it down to that. In truth and reality, I think I can break it down to that. Maybe one or two coaches that I came across that didn't use humiliation as a tool towards making me a better sportsman. Yeah, in my high school, there were two coaches who I had respect for, and the rest of them were all complete tools. <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, this is interesting, too, because the idea of maybe you felt humiliated, but maybe to them they weren't – it wasn't about humiliation. It was about, I don't know, like, like pushing you past the limit, right, or to taking you to a point of exhaustion. Maybe. Sure. I mean – and then maybe in other situations, right, that's the case. Like these guys, maybe they thought they were these two people who were sh- showing in the game, uh, Brian. Maybe they think that they're excellent teachers, <laughs> but they're really not. At the point where True. they're point at the point where they're pointing out your mistakes and calling you a bonehead, they're being insulting on purpose. That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it. But somebody, I don't know. I'm, I'm again, I've met these people who appreciate that. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Okay, yeah. Let's play again. What? No, I'm gonna go over here. <laughs> so I was just thinking that you know, Brian, you were talking about your your cheating experience, and and you used these mnemonics that were outside of the test, basically. And yeah. so, if those mnemonics were in your brain as opposed to on the table, why is that any more cheating than on the table? Only because we've decided that the brain this is the this this is the environment from which you can get your answers, and this is the environment from which you can't get your answers. So, so basically, if I can, if I have like Sherlock's mind palace going on, where I've got a cl- very clear way of organizing my memory, so I can easily see all of the possibilities, and I do better on a test, I haven't cheated. If I have doodles on my desk, because they are external to me, now I've cheated. Like it's a such a fine distinction. Like yeah, it, it's about memory, and so uh, some people come with an internal cheating system and some people come with an external cheating system well again it's about it's about an advantage you may have a built-in advantage you may have you may have an advantage at that moment like you know if you come to a game tired you distracted you know there's a million reasons that the experience is not there's an equity across the board right like everybody isn't uh, equally equipped whether it be with the same tools or with different tools to 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 have that experience, I don't. Again, I don't think it's cheating if you have a photographic memory. I think it would be. But you do have an advantage over everybody else. So you, you do have an advantage. We're not saying cheating it may, it requires may not be, advantage. It may not be fair, right? But it's right. not necessarily cheating. It's yeah. I mean, some people have an advantage, and and, and some people try to create an advantage. I think, you know, it depends on the context. It depends on the game. It depends on, like, what level of play we're talking about, too. Like, if I'm really, really good and I don't have a photographic memory and you do, and our games are the most fun because we were at the same level, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. if I have a photographic memory and and nobody else on the table does or nobody else taking the test, like, I don't know, that's not, it's not fair. It's not fun. It's not, there's no equity there. I don't know. There, there's something all about all of this that's about social contracting, and we haven't talked about fair play and gamesmanship that much, and I feel like it's going to be something we have to come back to at another podcast, but there, it, it's about entering into a social contract in which everybody thinks they know the parameters of that social contract, and someone 
steps outside of that contract. Well, I think that's all we've been talking about in fair play and in gamesmanship. I think I think that's what we've been talking about since from the beginning. But what we haven't done is outline what is fair play, what is gamesmanship, how do we how do we put an ethical structure on this so that we're all playing under the same sort of set of rules for ethical play, basically. I, th- I think we've done a good job of looking at different examples of different games because I think it yeah. changes game per game and situation per situation. So there should be one ethics that applies to One Night Ultimate Werewolf and one ethics that applies to Terra Mystica. Well, I think that if you try to come up with a universal one, it wouldn't apply to everything. Yeah. I, I know that... that uh, it's, it's hard. I mean, we, that's, we, that's what we this try discussion to do that has with been. Life. <laughs> but we try to do that with life. We try to establish a set of parameters that is not gray. And of yeah. course, we still come to gray areas, but we try to find a way to... I mean, one of the reasons we're so afraid of lying or getting caught and things like that, I mean, at least as in terms of the way that society has been built, a lot of our religion and a lot of our ethics has been built on the fact that we don't like it when other people cheat us. So we're going to put rules in place to make sure that you don't have the ability to cheat us. And then we all sort of agree to that tacitly by going through school, by by being taught by reality, by being taught by parents. Now we have a set of rules that which if we fall outside of that set of rules, then now we're the bad guy. I think that's a that's a broad generalization that I, does, I doesn't understand. apply to a lot of stuff. I think a lot of people are deterred more by consequences or by ultimate goals than by empathy. Now, I don't typically make sports metaphors, if you guys have noticed. Um, <laughs> but let's go. Let's let's consider boxing. Someone who's a professional boxer is training someone who's never done it before. Does that professional boxer step into the ring with that person their first day to train them and beat the snot out of them? If you do, you're a jackass. <laughs> it's true. And that's where the social contract is. If you see someone, in, in my opinion, if you're taking unfair advantage of someone, like in a in a average game where you know I'm not great at math, and you know that and utilize that failing of mine to your advantage, in my opinion, you stepped out of the social contract. You are now actively trying to harm someone in the game based on um, based on your knowledge of their personality and playability. I can, oh, man, like mm, the, the boxing that metaphor opens all a big can of worms for me. Yeah, and the boxing <laughs> metaphor bothers me because there's weight classes and like you could die in a boxing match. Like <laughs> yeah. the, the stakes are so different. <laughs> all right, assuming assuming to, to assuming match. that. Assuming you're the same size and weight where you would be a heavyweight and a professional okay. heavyweight boxer comes in, that's that's my metaphor. They come in and just, all right, here's how you box. Pop, 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 pop. You're on the ground, unconscious. Like, that's how you do it. The the trick to winning is not to play. But, but <laughs> right. I, I, again, again, like uh, boxing has rules. If it was a real match, there would be a referee there. They would stop the match. There, there are rules in place. Sure. Uh, that 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 apply to something like boxing. Boxing isn't just punching each other in the face, right? There's there's a technical aspect to it, and there's there there are conditions that need to be met, and there are rules for that that type of thing. Like when you're playing a board game and somebody is lapping you. 
some some games actually do have rules. It's like, oh, you know, at, at this point, like there's that's a win state, right? And yeah, and, and boxing has or they that, have catch up mechanics that are purposely keeping yeah. the person in front back. Yep. So that everybody continues to have a good experience in the game. The blue shell. Yes. <laughs> yes, but there are those games like, again, um, Terraforming Mars that don't have that. If someone is if, if someone is significantly better than you at a game and you have never played it before and don't know anything about the strategy because you're just trying to figure out the basic rules, is it right to take unfair advantage of them? Is it considered unfair advantage if you play to the absolute best of your ability knowing that you're supposed to be teaching this person how to play. If your theory on teaching someone how to play is to play to the best of your ability and then after the game show them how you destroyed them. I'm not sure what we're arguing here, but just playing the game, I don't consider it cheating, right? If we're going if we're going with, uh, with the semantics again, I don't think it's cheating to be better than someone else. Uh, is it is it fair? Is it is it nice? <laughs> no? Well, then why do we have handicaps in golf? Well, for somebody who doesn't use uh, sports metaphors, you're coming up with them all now. Well, someone yeah. else brought up handicapping, so I decided to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with somebody else's metaphor. But again, like I think, I think every situation is really different. Like lots of games have handicaps because you okay, you're at an advantage, you're at an advantage, and it makes it more fun. It kind of equals things out. It makes everybody puts everybody on kind of a, a level playing field. But like every, I think every game is 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 so different, and I think. Some people, like to them, part of the game is getting to that point where they are better than everybody else. Like that's their goal. It's not just winning this one time. It's not just uh, like it's it's a particular experience that they want. I think you know every time we talk about particular games, like we we all have different reasons why we game and why we play and why we play the way we play. This I think every every single situation would have a, a different answer for the most part. I'm going to end up reevaluating every move I make in a game now. <laughs> you should. <laughs> I'm just going to become too self-conscious of things. I, I can remember, so the, this is a historical story about uh, growing up, and I was, as I said, I grew up in a Judeo-Christian household, so there was the point at which, uh, you know, to do something deceptive was a sin. So I also worked for a bookstore at the time. And at times I would get so tired of the job that I would just put the books on the shelf, not in alphabetical order. And I was 15. Uh, and then I would walk away feeling guilty for putting books in out of order. And then I would go back and try to fix it. And then I would go back and try to fix it again because I'm like, what if I made a mistake? Am I still sinning? I would, <laughs> I would just get into this like deep black hole of sin where it's like nothing I can do is going to be enough to be not deceptive. Everything I do is deceptive. <laughs> This is why churches aren't as popular as they used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Very possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, there are different schools of, of thought. There are different philosophies, right? People have been having these discussions for thousands of years. <laughs> and, yes, and and whole ethics books yeah. are 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 on this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's that's the only test I ever cheated on was an ethics test. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good joke, and if it's true, it's wow, a better joke. I can, I can smell, the, I can smell the irony all the way downstairs. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and and again, I think each of us have our own code, you know, and our own places where we would do things one way or, or do things a different way. Well, and that's why I thought maybe talking about fair play and gamesmanship later on 
sort of coming up with the skeleton of how you address how we're going to play a game before you play a game. Not to not to belabor the game because it's already set up as already a long process. And to get into, you know, you promise, of course, that you're not going to cheat. And you promise, of course, that you're not going to use the rules against me. Whatever it might be. Um, <laughs> that might get a little too far. But it, it almost seems like there could be a framework by which we play games or we we do things that is uh, a much more concise and clear social contract than the one that we have sometimes. I mean, I mean, like a, a, a social contract like that would require consequences also. And, and the truth is that the consequences are different for different people. Like some people, some people can be assholes and complete cheaters and then come away with this great sense of satisfaction and, and, a, and a story to brag about. And then they don't care that the rest of the people at the table hate them, but someone else might, you know, not do that to because they don't they don't want to offend their friends. They they want to be liked. They want to be invited to the next time. Uh, I don't I don't know. There's different different motivations too that would make a contract like that. I mean, it would be fantastic, right? If we can all agree on on a, on a contract and we all like all mm-hmm. the rules, <laughs> I yeah. think obviously it's a much better gaming experience. And I think that for the most part, that's that's it, right? That that is most of our gaming experiences but those outliers are definitely definitely stand out and and they're a type of people that i i don't like to play with yeah certainly there have been a a good many people that i don't like to play with just because the way they play games yeah yeah and like i'm you know like one time we played a game and you didn't tell me all the rules i don't Uh... i'm not i don't i don't hate you because of that right because I don't, I know you didn't do it on purpose, but maybe right. somebody else. Like I would play that game again with you, but maybe with some other people I wouldn't. Just like I'm, I'm, I'm all about fair play. But if there's somebody that I really dislike at the table, I'm, I, if I can see that I can take advantage and maybe humiliate them, I might do that. Because sometimes you're petty, and sometimes you hate somebody. <laughs> I don't know. Different every situation. Uh, I think maybe that's. A problem, That's the right? battle that we're cry like... of rolling for change is it's all it's all based on the environment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or based and... on the set and the setting. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that like loose morality is is kind of a a problem and makes all of this stuff uh, harder to achieve, right? That that universal contract or that uh, contract that we're all in agreement with, at least the people in the room. It's hard. It's hard. It, it is hard. Yeah. But I think that definitely. When we're going to play a game, for the most part, we want to have fun and we want to have a good time. And a lot of these elements, like if you're not playing fair, if you're cheating, if you're violating these social contracts, then it's just not fun. It's just it's just not a not a fun experience anymore. That's that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing I can say is that as a result of doing this study, and I've only done it for about a week, so I, I haven't put a lot of effort into this, which is maybe sad because it just immediately... All the all the research and studies on deception and the way that lying benefits us and all the, these different things that I came across just made me think I could devote my entire life just to this particular question, um, and it would easily provide a you know another fifty years worth of work for me. It, it's it's almost sad that that we have to end our discussion, but it, we end our discussion hopefully with a. A different outlook on what we're doing in our games and our game experiences as we go forward and and try to root down into the causes and and needs of of the game 
of the experience. That's the best we can do, is, is hope that people alter their way of looking at a situation based on the discussion. We talk about reflection a lot, and I, I know for the next week I'll be reflecting on all of these ideas, but not just in games, you know? In, exactly, outside exactly. Of it's going to apply to all these areas in our life. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, I really appreciate the time that we've spent, and uh, hopefully we've left enough questions open-ended that uh, we can come back to this topic in the future with a little different organizational structure on it and, and see it from a different perspective. I, I think it just always opens doors. So I appreciate you guys uh, pitching in and uh, helping me uh, to lie my way through an episode of Rolling for Change. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Rolling for Change, episode 28, an exploration of cheating and game ethics. Rolling for Change is proud to be a member of the Geek Therapy Network. To find out more, visit network.geektherapy.com. If you'd like to contact Rolling for Change, our email address is gamers at rollingforchange.com. You can post about our episodes at the Geek Therapy forums, or you can join us in the Geek Therapy Discord group. That's geektherapy.com forward slash discord. Our theme music is provided by the band Rocket Scientists. Learn more about these amazing trickster god musicians at bandcamp.com. Thanks so much for listening, and remember to keep on rolling for change. stop so just as soon as i say the words rolling for change i have i have uh, basically uh invoked the end felt like you were wrapping up damn skippy i, I was but I was, it didn't feel like the icing on the cake quite i think i think i think he iced it just fine thanks all right you guys keep on rolling for change <laughs>